Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss Camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today we are going to turn our attention away from the six best basketball leagues in the country, uh, which is, uh, of course, uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, Big 12, Big East, and SEC in some order. Below that, we have leagues like the Mountain West, the WCC, the AAC, CUSA, the A-10, the Missouri Valley. Well, who are the best teams from those leagues? Who are the best players in those leagues? Norlando handled the preview for CBSSports.com. According to him, Florida Atlantic is the best team from outside of the six power conferences. Deadleg, there is somebody with a Ken Palm subscription right now yeah. screaming, but FAU is 37th at Ken Palm. Why do you think the Owls are better than Gonzaga, San Diego State, and even Memphis when they're ranked behind Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Memphis at Ken Palm? What would you say to those Ken Palm subscribers? I'd say you got to expand your worldview, expand your horizons, and Pomeroy himself would even say, don't only rely on mine, okay? Don't be so narrow-minded that your entire perception of what college basketball should be is reflected on where teams fall in my rankings, which are admittedly, and again, I'm quoting Pomeroy directly here, um, at some fault in preseason and don't really adjust to the world as we know them until mid to late January. With that in mind... Let's bring up the old uh, Torvik. You want to sort some data right now here? Two Oops. weeks out. Two weeks out from the start of the season. I'll, I'll remind you. Games. Two weeks from today. You want to sort some data? Sort some data. Florida Atlantic, 21 at Torvik. Gonzaga, 11. St. Mary's, another team we're going to get to. St. Mary's is 12. San Diego State is behind FAU at 23. Memphis sitting there at 30. How about EvanMaya.com? You want to you wanna F with Evan a little bit here? I do want to do that. Let's go to the team ratings at Evan Meyer right now, heading into the season. Right now, he's got Gonzaga at eight, and we'll get to the Zags. They've got a good reputation heading into the season, but I'm a little skeptical they're going to be a top 10 team. But he's got the Zags at eight, and he's got Florida Atlantic down at 30. Um, so the the Owls have a little bit of a, I don't know, skepticism is the right word. St. Mary's is sitting there at 32. Memphis is 31 right behind him. Um, but in terms of should this team be considered top 20 quality uh, you believe that my top 101 teams will publish on tuesday we'll talk about that on a show later in the week uh, i'm not going to spoil where i put the owls but i have them in the top 20 and you know, torvik at least is the of the three ones that i referenced here is the most enthusiastic but as we've done our best of the rest show in recent years we always start that episode by opening on Gonzaga because it's the highest ranked team uh, in the eyes of you and me normally, but also in, in voters and metrics. That's that's different this year. Um, now, Gonzaga, again, is still higher than anyone else. FAU is not considered top 20 per preseason metrics. But considering that the team won 35 games last season, more than anyone in the country, brings back everyone of consequence except Michael Forrest and our diehard FAU fans that listen to this podcast, which I think the list does start with Dusty May, are aware that we did a summer shoot around on the Owls, so we won't go too, too long here and repeat too much, but it is worth repeating that almost every single player of consequence returns from a team that made the Final Four. Yes, it was close to being knocked out of the first round of the tournament by Memphis, a team we'll get to shortly. Uh, all around, I, I trust the coaching. I trust the players to live up to close to what they did last season. I think it's going to be asking them a lot to win 30 or more games this season, considering how much pressure, attention, spotlight, the non-conference schedule is really, really tough. And there is absolutely no sneaking up on anyone. But 
Most of those dudes know how to play together really, really well. Dusty May has never had a bad season as coach of the Owls, and they do jump up to the American Athletic Conference. So uh, to me, it's an amazing story. One of the five to seven most notable stories heading into the season that we've got FAU sitting at number 10 in the preseason AP Top 25. GP's got them easily tucked into his top 10. And with that, a lot of attention, rightfully so, will be paid on these Owls who... Uh, all at once, Parrish. We know what they are, and yet it's a mystery because what are they going to do for an encore? What are we going to see here? Will they get off and rolling, or might we open an episode two weeks into the season saying, man, this team didn't handle you know prosperity all that well, and they've got a couple of losses under their belt already. What are your thoughts I, on FAU? I love them. I love them. I have them fourth in the top 25 and one. Let me pin you down for a second real quick, though. You yeah. keep talking about, they got to be in my top 20. Yeah. I, I, they're in your top 10 or else you don't believe in Dusty May. Then I don't believe in Dusty May. The FAU what? Owls are not in my top 10. You will see that top 101 team list go live on Tuesday. The Owls are not top 10. And come back at me, but here's why. The, one, the non-conference schedule is legitimate. They're going to take L's there. And there is so much on the shoulders of this team that I think over the course of the season, I'm, I'm just going to I'm gonna fade it just a little bit. That's all. I don't even feel like I'm being that counterculture by putting them somewhere between 11 and 20. You'll find out there, but I do not have the L's top 10. Disrespectful. If they were named Florida instead of uh, Florida Atlantic and they were returning all five starters from a 35-win team that went to the Final Four, you'd have them preseason number one, and you would and you would you wouldn't even want to rank anybody number two because you wouldn't want anybody to be that close to Florida to, to the Florida Gators. But because it's Florida Atlantic, you just can't see it. Nah, I don't know about that, but you're t- and you're also talking to the guy who's written probably more about FAU than than anyone at this point. So. I still think where I have them is ranked fairly. And and when I sat down and really tried to evaluate, I said, you know what? I'm going to try and get this as close as possible to where they are basically sitting in the AP Top 25 on Selection Sunday. Where do I think FAU is going to land after going an up a jump up in league? And so many more of these opponents are going to be more difficult. So that's, that's why. I will perish. If you nail this, this is going to be your best call of all time because... I just can't get on board with FAU being one of the five best teams in the country this season. I can't, but I respect, I respect, here's why I respect it. Because as you'll see in my top, my, my list, I've got a couple of teams in that top 10 um, in terms of placement or just inclusion that no one else has. And you are more bullish on the owls than anyone. And we'll see if you turn out to be right. Like I, like I, I have always been like, I've always been with Florida Atlantic. <laughs> always. I've always held that program in incredible regard. Always, always, continually, continuously. Never, never a doubt. Never had a doubt about that program at any point in the history of its existence. Anytime Florida Atlantic would come up at any point since Dusty May has been the coach, I would say that's they're headed toward a Final Four someday. Parrish is very lucky right now that I don't have access to the video and audio of him crapping all over Dusty May's program on CBS Sports Network all of two and a half years ago. That didn't, Otherwise, not, I'd play it. You didn't provide proper context. Um, just for I know you know this, but just for clarity's sake, uh, because I'm certain there's somebody who doesn't. Um, the reason Florida Atlantic is 37th preseason at Ken Palm has literally, I, I don't want to say it hasn't, it has a lot to do with stuff that happened before last season. I believe Ken's um, algorithm uh, takes data from the five previous seasons. So, and I should have asked him this. I meant to, and then Steven Adams has to miss the whole season, so I've been distracted. But yeah. I wonder if you own if you did nothing but but run the numbers on Florida Atlantic. Let me ask you this: What do you think? You do you forget 2022, 21, 20, and 19? You only mm-hmm. focus on 2023. What happened last year? What are they bringing back? What are they adding? Where would Florida Atlantic be under those set of circumstances in the preseason? Good question. Um, Easily top you, 10, I bet. You can't. Now, you can sort a lot of different kind of data at Torvik, and you can add or subtract players and, and then see what a team, how a team projects uh, in a season or in a past season without them. I don't know if you can exactly get those parameters there, but if you could, I mean, I'll, I can text him right now and see if Palmer gets back to us before the end of the show. If you just took last season and eliminated it, what would your, be your best guess? I would think a 35-4 and four team that made the Final Four and won a lot of, game, and won a lot of games in a, in a variety of different ways. I would think that that team 
would comfortably sit in the top 15. I can't say for sure that Paul Mori would have him top 10, but I'll, I'll text him right now and I'll ask. You text him right now because there's, there's a couple of examples that we're going to talk about under this best of the rest umbrella that either are being dragged down or pushed up by things that happened two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. For Florida Atlantic, again, I believe Ken's algorithm takes into account the previous five seasons. So last season was great. They finished 17th at Ken Palm. Year before that, 129. Year before that, 181. Year before that, 191. Year before that, 162. So those four years outside of the top 125 is, is I, w- I would assume, the largest contributor to Florida Atlantic being way lower in preseason Ken Palm num- rankings than they are, say, in the top 25 and one AP poll, coaches poll, any other human poll. Similarly, just in the opposite direction, Gonzaga is fifth preseason at Ken Palm, even though you will not find Gonzaga top five in any human poll. Well, what's the explanation for that? It's it's sort of the same thing, just on the other side of it. Gonzaga's previous five years at Ken Palm, eight, one, one, two, two. So they are benefiting dramatically from stuff that happened two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. That's why Gonzaga is in the top five at Ken Palm, 32 spots higher than Florida Atlantic, but you will not find Gonzaga ahead of Florida Atlantic, I don't think, on many AP ballots, if any. I just sent the text. What did you just finish saying? I was just talking. Okay. I just, we I was just, I, I was uh, well, filling time. And we got a lot of thoughts on FU on our summer. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what. Me, they're, they're a good team. I, I think that I'm, they're going to be a factor nationally. I think that they will be ranked probably at least half the season. Here's, here's, here's where we're at. If you want me to stop goofing around and be serious about Florida Atlantic, here's what I believe. I believe they deserve to be ranked where I have them based on what they did last season and what they brought back from that team and what they added. Um, they did not just they did not sneak into the final four. This was a very good team that, yes, maybe got a ball bounce its way, a call go its way in the round of 64 against Memphis. And if it doesn't, they're eliminated and we're having a different conversation. But what happened, happened. And based off of what happened last season and what they bring back, I believe they deserve to be considered one of the five to ten, you know, somewhere in that range of uh, basketball teams in the country heading into this season. The problem, of course, is that most basketball teams do lose games. And they're going to re- – when they do it, it's going to – my mentions will be lit up. Oh, they're gonna, you're going to get lit up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I already it's it's already that. over for you. Oh, yeah. it's already over for me because – Reportedly, they just you know got handled pretty good by North Carolina in a scrimmage. Oh, yeah, that's actually you know what I didn't have that in my notes that that did happen, but they were not at full strength as well. And and on this, and note, it yeah, seems not- like this is getting more and more prominent every offseason. I'm mean, coaches and they can take you know a little bit here, a little bit there from these scrimmages, but the parameters of how these things are normally played when you see final scores and you see stat sheets, you have to realize that these things are not coached like normal games with normal sets. These are not. So it is not a reflection of how a validating or invalidating preseason, you know, prognostications, if you will, it's a good thing for North Carolina that it didn't lose to FAU, but neither team was playing at full strength. And I'm not going to let that influence my thoughts one way or the other on either team. Neither am I, but did I, did I have people tweeting that result to me? Yes. And, and I can be dismissive of it by saying exactly what you just said. It's a scrimmage. Who cares? We don't even know who, what the rotations were. Winning is not the priority in these things. Who cares? But you know, if they start three and two, I got problems. You got big problems. Yeah. So Dusty May, don't let me down. You've seen what I can do on CBS Sports Network if I want to. That's a threat. <laughs> don't let me down. Don't don't make because because I tend to, and this is I I acknowledge up front a bit of a blind spot for me, or at least it it it's intellectually consistent, but I can acknowledge it can be a blind spot. I as if you were good and most of this good stuff that made you good is back, I assume you're going to be good again. Sometimes that's a brilliant approach, like Florida when Al Horford and Joe Kim Noah came back to school. Everybody assumed, man, they were. They just won a national championship. They got all these guys back. Hell, I guess they'll win the national championship again. And then they did it. That worked out well. But then, like, you run into these other situations, and it doesn't go as North Carolina. There's one. Last year. There's one. 
There's that's the most famous one. So I am at risk. My my motivation behind ranking North Carolina where I ranked North Carolina last preseason and ranking Florida Atlantic heading into this season is exactly the same. It's all tied to the same same thought process. I hope this one goes better than last one. I have a response from Mr. Pomeroy. Okay, what does he say? So I said, listen, we're doing a podcast. Paris wants to know if you eliminated preseasons and just did last season heading into this season with FAU. What what would be the general area? Uh, Earmuffs uh, for the kiddos. Um, Just one sentence, but here's what he writes. Well, first, let's establish that the rankings would be pretty shitty if I did that. (laughs) If I did it that way. But uh, 10 to 15, I'd guess. So if you just went off based off of last year... Um, it would be closer to where I have FAU than where you have FAU. 10 to 15. There you go. I know how this is going to go. They're going to lose some games early. People are going to jump on me. He just, he just he just waved you away with the hand. Well, if I want to do it the way Paris is suggesting, I wouldn't even have a site that people would respect. I wasn't, suggesting, I wasn't suggesting that he should do it the way I'm suggesting. I was just curious what would that look like. And, and even if it doesn't get them as high as I would have assumed it does illustrate they are being dragged down by stuff that happened in 22, 21, 20, and 19. And, and, and honestly, like that stuff that happened within that program in those years doesn't really seem to matter heading into this season. I'm not suggesting Ken Pomeroy should change his algorithm. I was just curious of what it might look like if you eliminated the four seasons before, before last season. Now we have our answer. Ken Pomeroy's database is disrespecting florida atlantic there you go same as you okay one in the same have you ever seen norlander and ken palm in the room same room at the same time maybe there's maybe (laughs) maybe there's a reason for that they both sit around disrespecting florida atlantic what do you get to say we get to the rest of the teams that are in the ap top Uh, outside the big six conferences i want to make my final prediction on florida atlantic okay here's what they're gonna do they're gonna take some non-league losses people are gonna Come at me. And then uh, you'll look, and then they'll be off the radar for a little bit. And then you'll look up in March and it'll be like, oh, wow, they've won 11 of 12. And they're, they're ranked 11th at Ken Palm. Oh, they're headed the right direction. Oh, this team looks like they might be able to do back to back Final Fours. That will be the trajectory of Florida Atlantic season. All right. There's three other non-Big Six teams in the AP Top 25 poll in addition to Florida Atlantic. We're going to get into them next, but first a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Total of four non-Big Six teams in the AP Top 25 poll. Florida Atlantic is at number 10. We've discussed them. I have one more update, actually. Okay. I, I have two. I have a good thing for you and a not-so-good thing for you. Yeah, Which it's, one a story, you it's a story of my life. Which do you want first? Give me the not-so-great one first. Not-so-great is I did inform Pomeroy where I have FAU ranked, and his response to that was, it's more reasonable than four, certainly. So, well, again, he's well, coming at you. He's coming well, at you hot and heavy. <laughs> now Paris is getting Pomeroy the double bird. He's got his own ranking for Ken right now. The good <laughs> thing is this. A year ago on this episode... Astute listeners will recall and remember, I'm about to give you your props on something that you don't even remember happened as we transition and segue to Gonzaga. But I'm about to jog that memory. Please do. Because my man, if you got any money you want to like toss off to me or the listeners or anyone else, we'll gladly take it because it was a year ago at this time Mm. that you said, I'm going to bet three-fourths of my 401k on Gonzaga making another Sweet 16. And I said, you're out of your mind to bet your 401k on the fickle nature of the tournament. And you said, no, no, no. 
This is a guarantee. And yeah. you know what went on and happened? Gonzaga made another damn sweet 16. Oh, my All I've heard is people saying their 401k's <laughs> taking a hit. Not not GPs. Not you. So a year ago, we were skeptical whether that would be true or not. He's now making big claims on FAU. Remember that a year from now. With that being said, let's lay out the terms with the Zags, San Diego State, and St. Mary's, the three big teams in the top 25 from non-big six leagues. Fart Atlantic is 10th in the AP poll. Gonzaga is 11th. San Diego State is 17th, St. Mary's 23rd. Interesting because St. Mary's is the official pick in the West Coast Conference to finish first, but 12 spots below the Zags in the AP poll. Is that the order you would have those four schools? Most people will have those four schools outside of the best six conferences um, as, as the top teams. Florida Atlantic, Gonzaga, San Diego State, St. Mary's. Would you have them in that order? Because I've got them in a slightly different order. My top 101 has all four of these teams in the top 25. And the order that they will appear, although I won't give the number, is FAU, uh, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Diego State. So FAU, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Diego State is my order. What's yours? I've got Florida Atlantic at four, San Diego State at 13. Uh, sorry for believing in the Aztecs. You always have. Always have. They love me there. Gonzaga is 19th. St. Mary's is 21st. So I also have Gonzaga ahead of St. Mary's, but I've got him, I've got Gonzaga lower than the AP poll. I've got St. Mary's higher than the AP poll. And I have St. Mary's and Gonzaga uh, much closer than the AP poll has those. Let's, we, you know, we've, as I said before, we've often opened this best of the rest episode on the Zags, but let's, let's give a little bit of credit here to St. Mary's and let's talk them first before we get into Gonzaga as to why that team might wind up being better than Gonzaga by one vote, won the WCC preseason poll separated by one at Torvik. Gonzaga's 11. St. Mary's is 12. Now St. Mary's has a wonderful one, two combination of two very, very different players. Aiden Mahaney is a sophomore with a ton of second season expectations. I almost wonder if they've gotten a little bit too high, but we'll see. And Mitchell Saxton probably is going to be the most important player on the team because he's the exact opposite of Mahaney. I mean, he's a 6'10 hoss and will be probably... I think Saxon's got a, a, a good chance at being the best big in the league. Now, Watson and EK at Gonzaga obviously are going to have a, a say in that overall, but they also bring back the St. Mary's Alex Dukas, who's a pretty important returning player there. Mason Forbes should also increase his role overall. St. Mary's has been a five-seed in back-to-back seasons, and it's not unthinkable to me that the Gales can go ahead and get a WCC regular season championship, which is not, you know, it's not unheard of, but the last time it happened was 2016. That was when they were in a two-way tie with Gonzaga. And obviously last season, both of those teams finished 14 and two. So St. Mary's has finished atop the league. It hasn't had a standalone WCC regular season title since 2012. Um, when you look at St. Mary's, how close do you think the race is between them and Gonzaga? And how percentage-wise, how much of a chance do you give them to be actually a better team by the end of the season? I think Gonzaga is better, but it will not shock me as St. Mary's wins the league. And I would think that whenever they play for the second time, they will be within a game of each other. And we will be on the Friday Ion College Basketball Podcast doing the final four and one and we'll say something like and if Gonzaga wins this one they'll have a one game lead over St. Mary's or if St. Mary's wins this one uh, they'll be tied in the league standings with Gonzaga it'll be that type of race not unlike uh, the one we've we've often had yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what Mahaney can do here as a sophomore um, because he projects as a four-year college player and could be a guy we're talking about as an all-american two years from now in the preseason Um, but St. Mary's is just ultra reliable and I think it has good potential to be a top 15 team last season the gales oh. finished 13th overall at ken palm as for gonzaga okay go ahead well, i was just gonna say on st mary's okay um we did the candid coaches question mm-hmm. over you know the off season about i believe the one where randy bennett's name came up was best coach not to make a final four yes matt painter won that convincingly but randy got votes and i guess i just I don't know. I've never really thought about Randy Bennett in Final Four because it seems like such a stretch for St. Mary's to get there, even if he is running one of the more consistently very good programs in America. But I like the idea that coaches recognized 
oh, I don't know if he'll if he'll be the next to get to a Final Four or if he'll ever get to a Final Four. But if you're asking me who's the best coach who hadn't gotten there yet, yeah, my vote goes to Randy Bennett because I don't want to ever take away from anybody's success. But there are some coaches having success at certain schools right now. And you go, yeah, that's impressive. But like, eh, we've seen somebody do that there before. And I'm certain somebody else could do that there again someday. Um I don't know if anybody could do what Randy Bennett has done at St. Mary's. Well, no one else has. So we have our answer right now. Yeah, I, I know. But like, who could you put there and go, I feel like they can maintain what he's been doing? Dusty May. Besides Dusty May, that goes without saying. <laughs> Mick Dusty May, next coach at St. Mary's. Heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's a point well taken. And he, Bennett has a very high esteem. Yeah, he's considered among the five or so best coaches not to get to a Final Four. This team... Could be among his three or four best, and he says some really nice St. Mary's teams, which speaks to his you know credibility as a coach. And he's had opp- opportunities to go. I mean, Cal tried to hire him like three times. He said no, thank you every single time. And it's not like he's moving across <laughs> the country. He's, you know, not even like he has to move houses. He's like, nah, I'm all set. Um, he is, and he's you know he's also been able to do it. We can wax on this for a quick second. Why not? Because this, I don't think this particular part gets talked about all that much. Randy Bennett. Very unassuming, very to, him, to himself, highly respected, absolutely has a certain way that he wants to run his program, and it has largely worked. But even if that was true of almost any other coach at that school or in that scenario, he's also done it while playing foil to Gonzaga and few, but never getting on that level. In fact, you could, if you really wanted to argue, you could say, big picture, St. Mary's is good, but... There might be two notches separating Gonzaga and St. Mary's programs. And many coaches in that spot, understandably so, eventually might say, you know what? I've done such a good job. Let me just go try something else and get out of Gonzaga's shadow. But almost in, <laughs> I don't want to say he's being several, but it's almost stubbornly he's like, it's, we're going to continue to do this. Like I'm going to continue to punch up at Gonzaga and we are going to land our blows. And sometimes we're going to win those boxing matches. It's really all the more impressive and shows you just how secure in his gig Randy Bennett is. Because at this point, I think this is where he, he lands for life. And whether it's two years from now or 10 years from now, I think he retires having only been a head coach at St. Mary's. Yes, I agree. He will retire at St. Mary's and, um, you know, I again, I don't know if he'll ever get to a Final Four. It's hard to do anywhere, especially at a place like St. Mary's. But I think we can agree he's got a team this season with Aiden Mahaney back. That listen, they're not. They don't. If you can only pick four Final Four teams, you 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 probably won't pick, pick St. Mary's. But is I, I guess I always think about it in these terms. Like if you're one of the thirty best teams on paper in the country. You have a, you can kind of somewhat realistically go, you know, if we catch a break and we get the right draw, uh, you can get this team. If like, I'm not predicting St. Mary's to go to the final four. I, I can imagine it happening though. Um, they've got a wonderful coach. They've got enough good pieces back and they've got a guy who in Mahaney, I think is, you know, inside the big six conferences, outside the best six conferences. It's one of the best point guards in the country. Really, really good. Now, how will they stack up against Gonzaga? Gonzaga enters this season with a in a rare spot, not being picked to win the WCC. Although all predicted metrics don't aren't forecasting that to happen there. Um, you lose Drew Timmy. Yes, red alert, red alert. Drew Timmy no longer on campus. Uh, an unfortunate situation, but that's what we're dealing with right now. Gonzaga, I think, most critically brought aboard Ryan Nemhard, transfer from Creighton, and. If it didn't have him, if it just had, you know, your average replacement, I think Gonzaga's outlook would be much, I don't know, dyers, right? Where they'd still get to the tournament. But his inclusion is what's going to make that outrageous eight straight seasons making a Sweet 16 streak liable potentially to continue Um, with him running the offense and hopefully bringing along Nolan Hickman all the more. Like he's been, Hickman. You know, his train schedule has not gone as planned. It hasn't exactly uh, been hitting all the stations uh, on time there. But I think Hickman playing alongside Nemhard could be could be the thing that really advances him further. And then Anton Watson deciding to come back. I have this note in my top 101 team graph for for Gonzaga. You know, he has been one of the more efficient players because he played alongside Drew Timmy, actually entered Gonzaga at the same time as Timmy um, and certainly was not nearly the, uh, the player of impact. He didn't get as much attention, but Watson has been a pretty effective player for what they've needed him to be. And so between Nemhard Watson, 
Hickman. You get Graham E.K. from Wyoming. Let's let's see what he can be. He was injured last year. And then we talked about this on the Gonzaga Shootaround episode. They've got Steel Venters and Dusty Stromer, who uh, sound like they've got mustaches already at the moment. Uh, those two and Ben Gregg. There's a lot there, I, but I, I don't quite know. Like, I gave Gonzaga... When I do my top 101, I try and I try and best project where I think the team will be when we start selection Sunday because the tournament's a random results generator and I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for all right, is this team where I'm putting them? Are they going to be, you know, within one seed line, four teams up, four teams down, four teams on the money of, of where they'll be on selection Sunday for the most part. And Gonzaga, I'll admit to I I I bumped them up a couple of spots based on their history, their program culture, Mark Few what he he traditionally does because I think this roster, I think understandably has some skepticism from the humans, even if that's not coming as heavily from the computer side. I think a lot of it comes down to Graham E.K. Like, is he a better version of what he was two years ago pre-injury? Um, because if so, he should be one of the best front court players in America. Like, he didn't play last season, but he was the preseason Mountain West Conference player of the year. And it just comes down to what does he look like? No, we haven't seen him play in more than a year. Um, what does he look like? Um, you know, I think about Keontae Johnson last season at Kansas State. It was like, we didn't really know what to expect. And then the game started, and it was like, oh, wow, he's awesome. He's even better than he was at Florida. What are we going to about, say about Graham Ike? Are we going to say, this is the guy who was, you know, a double-double machine for an NCAA tournament team two years ago, and now he's better than ever? If so, that might be a top, you know, 30 player in America. If If he's not, if he looks like somebody who – isn't the same after injuries. Well, then obviously everything's harder for the Zags. But you t tell me if Graham E.K. Tell me if Graham E.K. is going to be good or great. And I can tell you if Gonzaga is going to be good or great. I think they'll be good no matter what. With him being great, I think they could be great again. Like another Sweet 16. Yeah, I got to see it. Uh, there's a the, Potentially there, I also think he was uh, a benefactor in a major way of, of how Jeff Linder ran that offense at Wyoming. And yeah, if he can come back stronger, better, then that's going to be a major factor. Gonzaga's got a lot of curiosity attached, as it always does, but uh, but it's involved, you know, it's involved in the Maui tournament. Um, it's going to play, I think it opens against Purdue in that tournament, so that's like the big game that Monday there. Um, it's also got a game against USC, going to play at Washington, going to have a game against UConn. It's got Kentucky as well. The Kentucky game actually is at Kentucky in the middle of February. I really, really love that those coaches were able to negotiate that. We got a great non-conference matchup in the heart of conference season. We'll wait and see on the Zags. How about your Aztecs here, GP? You said they were number two on non-Big Six teams behind FAU. Uh, where again do you have them ranked and why are you this high on a team that obviously just made the national championship game? Uh, that's part of it. I have uh, San Diego State 13th in the country ahead of Gonzaga, ahead of St. Mary's, but below Florida Atlantic. They got my little nephew. Micah. Micah Parrish back. Of course. Always good to see him, you know, staying in school, getting his education. Yeah. It's nice to see the Parrish family flourishing, using basketball to, to better, better their lives. So, I mean, you bring back, first off, San Diego State, like Gonzaga, maybe Gonzaga light. I'm not, I don't, they, they could, it's just one of those programs that you now assume is going to be good um, based on the fact that they usually are. And you've got enough good pieces back from um, a really, you know, a really good team last season that, I don't know that if they could have won the national championship because to do that, you'd have had to beat UConn. And by the time we got to the end of it, didn't look yeah. like anybody was beating UConn, right? But that was always a legitimate Final Four contender. And, you know, it, it wasn't – I know they weren't expected to get to the title game, but they were always good enough to, to get to a place like that. You bring back that coach, enough good pieces, I'm going to assume you're going to be uh, good again. That's clearly – uh, the on-paper best team in the Mountain West Conference, and and I think it's going to once again be one of the the best teams in the country. And this whole head coach and waiting thing doesn't always go well. We've talked about this before. I think this off season when we did the San Diego State episode, if we did one, but did. okay. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought we did, but then I was like, maybe we didn't. I don't know. But the whole head coach and waiting it doesn't always go well. This one is going as as well as any. It, it, name one better. Name one that's going better. Steve Fisher to Brian Dutcher. Name one that's going better. 
Uh, I got nothing off the top of my head right there now. There you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, no, it's going really well. And the fact that we're, you know, FAU, SDSU both make the Final Four. And we're talking about two teams in that top 20 conversation. Really cool thing for college hoops there. Lamont Butler, the guy who hit the winning shot, right. he's back. As is Darian Trammell, who was not on the preseason koozie watch list. I think that's a mistake. I think Trammell will be there when we get that midseason update. They uh, also I, add Reese Waters. Yes. Um, so that's yes. a you know a Pac-12 player um, that will, you know, it, he'll do what every other Pac-12 player who transfers to San Diego State does, or at least most, or at least some, which is I, I believe he'll be impactful from the jump and uh, among the reasons that this team is ranked, if not all year, most of the year and in position to to try to take a run at back-to-back Final Four, as crazy as that might sound. Agreed. I know we got to take a break here, but on the other side, that's right, I'm taking command of this one, GP. Okay. Okay. On the other side, there is one team left from outside the big six conferences that I have ranked in my top, somewhere in my top 35. That's all I'll tell you. We're going to see if Parrish can guess who that is right after the break. But first, Nada, a word from our partners. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. GP, hmm. I assume you've assembled, as we've done this in previous years, the teams that are outside the Big Six structure that are nonetheless ranked in the preseason Ken Palm top 80. You have that list of teams? I have top 70 right in front of me. Okay. Fair enough. I didn't want to take it all the way up to 80. All right. I said I, it was 80 in the text message. So, all right. Regardless. I, I think there I think there, there might not be any between 70 and 80. Let me check. Let me there see. Are. I can give you them right now. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, Yale. There's six of them. Colorado State. Yes. Yeah. I'm starting to be reminded why I cut it off at seven. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, you got that list. Which team do you think I ranked somewhere in my top 35? It's on the list in front of you. It's it's somewhat it's one it's a top 60 Ken Palm team outside the Big Six. I'll tell you who it should be. It should be your Memphis Tigers. It is not. It is not my Memphis. Let me actually let me make sure Memphis. You're gonna disrespect Dusty. No, Man they're also Penny in there. I, 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 You're gonna disrespect Dusty classic, and Penny Classic Hardaway. me right now. It's classic me. Memphis is also in there. Yeah, so there are two. There are two. I'm so accustomed to having met, uh, the reason why that happened is I'm so accustomed. I'm st- we're still adjusting here. The American, unfortunately, has been downgraded. So I'm accustomed when I see Memphis. It is a power conference. It is a power conference program. It's just not in a power conference anymore. So I, I glazed over Memphis because I still associate that with them. So the Memphis Tigers are somewhere in my top 35. There is one more school that's involved there. What would be your guess? Do they portray themselves as Lobos? They do not. Do Although, they per- we're going to get to New Mexico because they got some tastiness. Do they portray themselves as Broncos? They do not. Although I'm a fan of Tyson Degenhardt. Do they portray themselves as Flyers? They do. So let's talk Let's talk Dayton and then let's get into your Tigers here real quick. Um, I'm in on Dayton this year. The A-10 had a down season and we'll, we'll do a quick overview of the A-10 in just a few minutes here. But Dayton is the team that I think should separate itself from the rest of the league this season because Deron Holmes the second is back. Malachi Smith is back. Hey, by the and way, how surprising it is that they still got those two guys. It's awesome. It's awesome. And it's they why were, I think I mean, they were terrific freshmen. I was like, I don't know if they're going to stay there. They're still there. They're still there. It's a credit to them. It's a credit to the coaching staff. Dayton is coming off a solid season. I mean, it won 22 games a season ago, and I, I, I had high hopes a season ago. Obviously, Anthony Grant has done largely pretty well since he's got there. And, oh, by the way, get back to the on-the-court stuff in just a second here. Um, just uh, 
our, our best in a round of applause for Anthony Grant and his wife for what what they have done in recent weeks. Uh, they played Ohio State over the weekend in a charity exhibition specifically to raise awareness and, and other endeavors toward improving mental health and um, destigmatizing that. They lost their daughter to suicide. Um, and with that, you know, obviously came a, a a lot, just just a ton. And Anthony Grant is not exactly someone who has been out in front of the media and you know is, is this you know instantly memorable quote. There's nothing against that. Um, highly respected man, uh, a very very good coach, but um, he's not someone that uh, that you know has been the most. He just just doesn't he doesn't seek the spotlight. And for that family to put themselves in frankly, a very exposed, vulnerable position after a tragedy like that and to use it for good and obviously tying basketball into it was uh, was a pretty inspiring thing that culminated over the weekend. And Anthony said on Sunday that he hopes to make this an annual event, uh, whether that includes Ohio State, I'm not sure. Obviously, that's uh, the big boy in-state uh, opponent there. So that was that was tremendous with that. And I I would think that, you know, with this, with that kind of positive energy flowing into the program, I don't know if it'll directly translate GP, but you bring back those guys, Kobe Elvis, Kobe Bray are, are back again. I like this team's chances to be a top 30 squad and have the resume to get in with an at-large bid if it does not indeed win the Atlantic 10 tournament, but I like it to be the best in that conference. I do too. And obviously, you know, our, like you've mentioned, our heart just breaks for Anthony and his family. Um, just a nightmare of a, a situation. You're right. Anthony is, uh, it's not just that he doesn't seek the spotlight. He's like naturally a quiet guy. He's yeah. naturally a soft spoken guy. And yet he is using his voice now in every way that he can to try to bring attention um, to this very real issue that, uh, I think studies show is, you know, been multiplied and heightened by social media. Um, we all use it, or at least most of us use it. It's it's not, in some cases, the healthiest of things. And so, these are real issues that um, young people and families all over this country are struggling with. And again, the, the situation with Anthony's daughter is just. Ugh. I mean, it makes me sick to even. It just it's heartbreaking. You know, as a father, that that is your your worst nightmare that your children are struggling and um, and you can't help them and you can't save them. And I just I, I I hate that Anthony and his wife and his family have to go through this, but I do appreciate that um, you know they're they're open to talking about it and trying to bring attention to it to you know, to try to help other families not have to experience what it is they're, they're experiencing right now and will forever have to carry around with them like this, that, that, that pain, it might lessen, but that, that hole never goes away. I can't imagine. Dayton is going to play at Northwestern on the first Friday of the season. It also has LSU. It's going to be in the, uh, the Charleston classic. They're going to play at SMU, UNLV at Cincinnati, it's got a lot of interesting non-conference games. The Flyers, from a scheduling standpoint, did a wonderful job and are in position, if they can get big wins, to semi-repeat what we saw the OB, big OB top in here. And I'm not saying, you know, be a top five team. I'm saying get into the polls, be in the national discussion as they prepare for the A-10. The A-10's got to be better this season. Again, we'll get to the A-10 in a few minutes here. Let's talk Memphis. I'll be quick on this. And then uh, you fella, of course, are going to give us the rundown here. Uh, I do like Memphis to be in that top 30 conversation, uh, largely because of age. Adding Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, Jordan Brown, three guys who are what, like 24 and a half, 25 years old on average. I, I, I think that is going to be significant. Of course, you know, there are still roster uncertainties that, uh, that await. Unless I'm unaware of something, I still don't think DeAndre Williams has been cleared. He is 27 years old, and uh, I think we're both rooting to have a 27-year-old just just roasting fools uh, on the college court, no matter what the opponent there. Uh, what is your? You talk about Memphis in a variety of ways every single week, but uh, what's your latest thoughts on what should be the expectation for the Tigers there? Obviously, they'll compete with FAU atop the American Athletic Conference. The DeAndre Williams situation has not officially been resolved. Um, there's still a chance. 
the sense I get is that people around the program are a little less optimistic today than they were, say, two months ago, but they have not given up. And as we just saw with the North Carolina football program, you can think it's over and then like, yeah, you, you just so people are hopeful, but I don't think hopeful should be confused with optimistic. They're just hopeful. Um, the Mikey Williams situation seems like that's just not going to happen. He is now going to have to stand trial. I guess they were always hoping on some level, like maybe it'll get tossed out and whatever, but they're not going to play him under these circumstances. And there's no indication his legal matters are going to be resolved in time for him to, to play basketball in Memphis. So ultimately I think Memphis will have a team that does not include DeAndre Williams or Mikey Williams. Uh, but as always, we'll see. It will include Caleb Mills and Jordan Brown and Javon Quinterly and a lot of transfers that are older, accomplished, and and they'll be good. I think they're going to be good no matter what. If they got DeAndre Williams, I think they would if – they, if they added DeAndre Williams and you made AP voters submit a new ballot tomorrow, Memphis would be ranked in the preseason. He's a difference maker to that degree. Yeah, people always reference his age and – you know, if you got a good joke, I'll laugh at it. But he's a really good college basketball player. He has no NBA future, I don't think. Um, or And I'm not even sure what his professional future would look like. But he's a very good college basketball player. If you get him, that's a team that I think can challenge Florida Atlantic at the top of the AAC. Even without him, like we'll see where that conference race goes. But Memphis should be in the NCAA tournament once again, with or without DeAndre Williams. With him, it, on paper, it would have a chance to be Penny Hardaway's best team ever. Why don't you run down the rest of the teams in the Ken Palm top 60 that we haven't touched on yet? I got uh, quickie thoughts on each of them. So we've already touched on Gonzaga, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, St. Mary's, uh, Memphis, and Dayton. They are all in the top 70 at, at Ken Palm. Other schools, 46, New Mexico, 63, Boise State, 67, Nevada, 70th, St. Bonaventure. Just you can take that wherever you want to take it. All right. Um, the, I let's see here. Uh, New Mexico, I'm, I'm very big on Jalen House and Jamal Mashburn Jr. The two big names there. I do expect New Mexico to be in the NCAA tournament. Richard Pitino has a really good group. Also got Nelly Jr. Joseph from Iona, who was a quality player at Iona for Richard's father, of course. And so a little bit of an assist there from Rick as he left from Iona to take the St. John's job. Um, San Diego State needs to be considered uh, the comfortable favorite in the Mountain West, but that's not to say it is a high probability team to win the league because New Mexico and Boise State will be knocking on the door. Those are the two most likely competitors there. Boise State's led by a guy named Tyson Degenhart, who was tremendous last season. I think will be even better this season. He averaged 14.1 points and 5.3 boards. He will have a good chance to win Mountain West Player of the Year because you could have a situation where the guys at San Diego State cancel themselves out and then House and Mashburn might cancel themselves out. Mashburn, you know, he averaged 19 last season. We'll see if he can one-up that. But Boise State should be in the mix to make a third NCAA. If it makes a third NCAA tournament, that will be a, a program record. Leon Rice has it rolling there. Uh, the Mountain West is going to be a quality league again. I'll get to the other teams that are kind of going to be vying for at-large consideration uh, in just a second there. You mentioned Nevada as well from the Mountain West. Um I'll spoil this one. Nevada is not a team that I have in my top 101. Uh, the Mountain West has a lot of teams that I think are going to be fighting for that four, five, six, seven, eight spot in the overall conference ledger. At a certain point, I got to start ch hacking teams. If I made a top 107, Nevada would have been in. Maybe even a top 105, but they were just on the outside looking in. You mentioned Bonaventure. We'll keep it mysterious whether or not they're in my top 101. Uh, metrics are in on the Bonnies, and Mark Schmidt's a really, really good coach, but I think there's enough skepticism in terms of, of what the roster is for the season ahead after what we just saw with St. Bonaventure a season ago. This team, you know, 14 and 18 overall, 8 and 10 in the league, outside the top 200 at Ken Palm. Um, it, it has been a bit of a metric starling in the preseason. I think I just need to see it a little bit more there. And then I'll extend it out to the the seven teams that, that comprise the top 80 from non-big six schools. Yale at 71. Definitely, easily the favorite to win the Ivy League, and that's coming off of Princeton making the Sweet 16. The Tigers are also probably be a factor, top two, top three in that league, but Yale, every coach agrees, is a, is a tier above everyone else heading into the season. Colorado State in the Mountain West has Isaiah Stevens, who I am super in on. I think Isaiah Stevens might be 
uh, top seven point guard in college basketball this season. He is that good where he could get Colorado State into the top two or three in the Mountain West and potentially getting him a bid. It's about what kind of help he has around him this season. Loyola Chicago out of the A-10. There's another team. This team is not in my top 101. Had a bad season last season. And so Drew Valentine went and retooled this roster. And I think part of that ranking is what we we're talking about with FAU and Gonzaga earlier. I think it's more recent production. I just, I could not, would love to be wrong, but I could not justify when I was looking at other teams in the mix for my top 101. I just didn't necessarily believe that Loyola Chicago had the reinforcements to get there. We'll see if I'm wrong. Liberty at 76. Liberty is, is making the jump to Conference USA after leaving the A-Sun. Richie McKay, you know, does an amazing job every single season. Liberty is easily in my top 101 teams and should be considered a factor to win CUSA. Uh, UNLV and Drake are the other two other teams in the top 80 at Ken Palm. UNLV, another good Mountain West team. Uh, Kevin Kruger is... He's getting there, and he got the Nevada High School Player of the Year to come and play for him, uh, which I think is a big thing for UNLV. And it's not it's not just him, but to, to be able to build out the program and hopefully get some sort of momentum, um, I think that's um, I think it's pretty important. Uh, Dean Thomas Jr. is the name of that young man who was the uh, Nevada High School Player of the Year. Uh, so keep an eye on him moving forward. UNLV probably not a top four team in the Mountain West, but preseason top eighty at Ken Palm. They're doing they're doing all right for themselves. And then eighty is Drake who I have higher in my top 101. They've got Tucker DeVries. Uh, keep an eye on them. They're the favorite in the Valley, and they should be able to uh, to make it back to the dance. Teams not in the top 80 that I like. I'll just give you some heads up on teams that I have in my uh, in my rankings. I'll have Charleston in my top 60. They're not as good as last season, but I think they're still going to get to the tournament. UAB and Grand Canyon and VCU I have in my top 70. And then UC Irvine and San Francisco I have in my top 80. So those are... Uh, those are some individual teams to know about. And then real quick, GP on these multi-bid leagues. I'd say Gonzaga, St. Mary's get to the tournament. San Francisco, Loyola, Marymount probably going to round up the top four. Santa Clara has been quality and, and been putting dudes into the pros there. So some mix of those in the WCC. You go to the American. We talked about FAU and Memphis. I think UAB, North Texas, and Tulane are probably going to be the top five. The league, in fact, before I continue with the Mountain West, in your opinion, realistically, should this league, it'll it'll expect two. Should it expect three bids in this new reform that you got UAB is going to be quality. North Texas has a new coach. Tulane still has some talent coming. What should the American expect as a league for tournament representation in 24? Two. I think that's probably fair, but I think it'll get three. I think either UAB, North Texas, or Tulane will break through. But if that's going to happen... Like we got to be talking about one of those schools. You and you and I both know this. By like December first, when we're almost a month into this, we got to be talking about one of those schools in, in some sort of capacity. And them getting some big wins, you have to get the wins. Well, that, that's the, the thing in this league now. If you don't have the wins on January first, good luck. You ain't pro- you probably ain't gonna get them. That's exactly it. They have to. They have. They can't lose terrible games, and they have to pick up notable resume wins. We'll see on that. The Mountain West. I've run through every damn team except for San Jose State. Tim Miles lost a ton, but he has a way of just making things happen in all sorts of spots there. So um, let's go bids for the Mountain West. I'm going to say it was four bids last year. San Diego State, we think will make it. And then probably Boise State, New Mexico. Will you go four over under 3.5 bids for the Mountain West? San Diego State. I'll go under 3.5. I will too, regrettably, but I think you're going to have Colorado State, UNLV, and like the likes of Nevada, I think kind of knocking on the door, but you get into the NIT. They got four last season. I'll say the Mountain West gets three. Doesn't mean it won't be a pretty good league. The Mountain West outpaced the ACC last season as a reminder. And then the A-10, the other multi-bid league, these are all multi-bid leagues, WCC, American, Mountain West, A-10, meaning that on a yearly basis, they should be expecting at least two teams in the tournament. Didn't happen with the A-10 last year, like Dayton and then... VCU, Duquesne. Duquesne actually might be a factor in that league. Bonaventure, Loyola, Chicago, St. Joe's. Fordham was one of the surprising teams last year, but it played literally the easiest schedule in the country, according to Ken Palm. We'll see what happens with the A-10. If you don't mind, I'll go for a quick mid-major players to know that we haven't mentioned. Um, Geez, we talked about a lot of these. Dylan Jones, Weber State, is an NBA prospect. 6'6 forward, averaged 16 points and 11 boards last season. 
you know, most of our audience is going to go and try and seek out Weber State games, but Dylan Jones is the real deal. Keep an eye on him. Drew Pember, reigning uh, Big South Player of the Year down at UNC Asheville. They'll be favored to get back to the tournament. He is a he could he could have gone and played anywhere and been a starter on any team in the country, but he opted to come back. That's a really great thing for Mike Morell and his program. Bulldog should be a factor. AJ Mitchell at UC uh, Santa Barbara is an NBA prospect who averaged sixteen and five last season. Enrique Freeman in the MAC at Akron. Uh, 17 and 11 for the Zips last season. One of the better mid-major players that doesn't get quite enough run. Um, I think Eric Gaines emerges as a factor at UAB after Jelly Walker's uh, departure. And then two more. Max Fiedler at Rice, just an all-around efficiency like beast. It's, he's out. He's outrageous. Averaged 11 points, 7.5 rebounds, 5 assists, and shot 64% last season. And then uh, Elijah Pepper was the fourth leading scorer in the country. Played for UC Davis. He's going to come back for one more year. What do you think was the most notable non-Big Six coaching hire? I'm going to give you the list. There were seven. And you can take it any way you want, GP. Will Wade to McNeese State. Tobin Anderson going from FDU to Iona. Ryan Odom going to VCU from Utah State. Paul Mills trying to reboot Wichita State. John Gallagher to Manhattan. He literally had his team getting taken out of Division One, but he lands on his feet. He's going to coach the Jaspers. Ross Hodge would have been taken as an assistant at any power conference coach program in the country, but he opted to stay with Grant McCaslin. He was rewarded. He now is running North Texas, considered one of the best defensive minds in the sport. Russell Springman, long awaits, finally hits his chance to coach at Oral Roberts. I think those were the seven most notable for one reason or other coaching hires outside the big six, which means the most or stands out the most to you. I think I believe in Tobin Anderson. I, I, I don't obviously, yes, what he did last season in taking a 16 uh, over a one is it, it was it was fluky. I think even Tobin would tell you that. But he's a really accomplished coach. I mean, he's a guy with an an, an impressive uh, career resume, and I think he'll do good things there. The one that's got the highest ceiling, perhaps, is maybe Paul Mills at Wichita State. I mean, it's easy to forget now because that program is, you know, really taking a dive post Greg Marshall. But with Greg Marshall, it was genuinely one of the best programs in America. It was so good that, you know, it was a, a, an advancer in conference realignment, you know, because of what Greg Marshall did at Wichita State, that, that you know, Coke Arena became one of the truly great home court environments in college basketball. It's, it's like that all happened not too long ago, which suggests it, it can happen again. Now, it, it could always be one of those things where, like, yeah, UMass going to a Final Four and being ranked number one in the country also happened once upon a time, but that was a thing that could only happen with John Calipari. Perhaps what we'll find out about Wichita State is, you know, you can only be that under Greg Marshall, but it, it would be terrific for the American. You know, it, it's, it's just, it's, you go back just a few years ago and you have Houston and Kelvin Sampson, Cincinnati and Mick Cronin, Wichita State and Greg Marshall, and now you've got none of that stuff. It would be really nice for the league if you could get Wichita State back where it uh, where it once was not too long ago. Yeah, we wait and see on that um, because you know the success on the court got us where it is in the conference it's in, and I do think it's a good fit for that conference. Um, but we got to hope that Mills can hit it. He's like McCaslin, former Baylor assistant, or Scott Drew. It always, always comes back to Baylor. We'll see on that. A couple more before we get out of here. The team that is most likely to have an FAU-type record that's not FAU, uh, you're going to want to look at Eastern Kentucky in the A-Sun with A.W. Hamilton. They bring in, bring back the player of the year uh, in the conference. They've got Devontae Blanton, and they've got you know an elite, elite defender and Isaiah Cozart. Team went 23 and 14 last season. Um, you know, understand you play in the A Sun, Eastern Kentucky, you're off the map. Their schedule, for the most part, coaches weren't going to schedule them. They get, they get to play at Bama and at Purdue around Christmas. Uh, but otherwise, there's no notable teams in there. They're going to need to like beat both of those teams to have any kind of impact there. But I'm just telling you, if you want to look at a team from outside the structure who could have a gaudy, gaudy record and uh, have a chance to make a run that we haven't mentioned already. Eastern Kentucky would be the pick. I'm going to implement a trivia time. We got Charles in the chat here. It says, we got to talk about the team that won the CBI and then upgraded their head coach. Trivia time. Can you tell us who won the CBI? I have no idea. No idea. I don't know who won the CBI. You have a certain fondness for this program because of a former coach. 
Let's see if I let's see if I can get let's see if you can get it in three hints. You have a certain fondness for this program because of the former coach. Okay. What would be uh this program went through an era where it was much more reliable and relevant and intriguing than it's been for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you four hints. Three, you have I would think there is a I would think you have definitely covered multiple games at this school's arena. Okay. And four, because you've cut because you because I say that because they also formally paid the rent in Conference USA when you were covering Calipari in Memphis. Mm. What school do you think that is? Hmm. Who won the CBI? Their 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 head coach left to rejoin his former post at a power conference program as an assistant, and did it in the middle of the off season. I don't know who won the CBI. <laughs> I'm, I'm tr- I know you don't know that. I tried to give you five other answers to get you there. We are talking about Charlotte 49ers. The Charlotte 49ers. And the coach that you have an affinity for is? Bobby Lutz. I love him to this day. There you go. Bobby Lutz. See you Charlotte. You've been to that. You've been to that venue, have you not? What do, what do they call that? I'll look it up right now. <laughs> they call it Halton Arena. I don't think that's what they called it when I was there. Yeah, they probably didn't. But the Memphis played at Charlotte. I figure you've gone to Charlotte to cover a game there. I, I, I'm a, I'm hundred. I would have had to. It would have been impossible for me not to. And yet you have no memory of it. None. Zero. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, I got one last one for you. It's a thought experiment. Okay. So last week, um, an interesting tweet was put up. Uh, it was by Sam Fetterman. I believe I have that uh, that name right now. I'll go ahead and throw this tweet on the on the screen if you could. Uh, he's a young fella. Um, I think he uh, I think he's in college. He's done some Mac preview stuff, but he put up this question. He put up the Chicago State Ken Palm schedule, mm-hmm. and he said, "What's the maximum number of games that Chicago State could lose?" in order to get an invitation to the NCAA tournament. Now, Matt Brown, who does an outstanding job covering all things college athletics, administrative and otherwise, he dedicated his Monday morning newsletter to this exact topic. Now, as I'm sure Parrish is unaware, but I'm about to inform him, you can run the data at Bart Torvik to actually see in a hypothetical situation how many wins a team would need theoretically in order to qualify and what seed they would be projected at. You can do that at Torvik. And if you need some help, GP, I can help you in the future. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this schedule, Chicago State, it's an independent, an independent team this season. Okay. When you look at what's on the Chicago State schedule, I'll let you know that Chicago State has by far its best roster ever. By far. Independent team. They got, I'm going to read it out for our people at home here. They got to play at Bowling Green and at Southern Indiana and at Southern Illinois, but it gets more difficult. They got to play at Loyola Chicago, at Northwestern. At Wisconsin, at DePaul, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, at Duquesne. It's got a lot of potential quad one opportunities here. Okay, we're going hypothetical here. What would Chicago State's record need to be at its worst in order to get an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament? And I can give you one. 26 and three. According to Torvik, if it goes undefeated, it's a one seed, which I which which would be incredible. But I can't get that far. I feel like an undefeated Chicago State team gets a two. But in that scenario, think about it. You've got road. Your road record is going to be better than anyone in the country. More than half of their schedule is away from home. There's actually a case that they could have a one. I don't know if I could see the committee truly allowing itself to give Chicago State a one seed in that scenario. But you're beating with the likes of Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Duquesne, Loyola, Chicago. All these games are on the road. They don't have a conference. Again, there's no conference tournaments. It's at large or bust here. I think with this schedule and the amount of road games, and it kind of depends on where you get the wins and the losses, I guess. I think they can get away with four losses. I think they can get away with this. Is, this is a 29-game schedule. I think 25 and four and they're still in because even if that, even in that scenario, let's say they lose to Loyola Chicago. This is why I love this podcast. Loyola Chicago, Wisconsin, Kansas State, and DePaul. You still win at Northwestern. You still win at Duquesne. 
You still went at Oklahoma State. That's what the four losses. I still think, I still think they're in at 25 and four. 24 and five, then it might be hairy, but even then they're gonna have more, they're gonna have more road wins than any other team in that same situation on the bubble. It's a wonderful thought experiment, and I had to get your thoughts on it. Well, I think once we've gone through Chicago State's at-large opportunities, that's probably the place to wrap up the pot. That's correct. When you think, I think that's a good ending spot. It's a good, it's a good tweet at us. What's the Chicago State schedule? 26 and 3. 26 and 3. I said it. Yeah, 26 and 3. 25 and 4. I think they're still in. Now let's go see it. Now let's go see him do it. You want to talk about an amazing story. Wouldn't that be something? It would be incredible. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, we can go. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Hawk Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening and watching I on College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So do that, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, go Chicago State. Yeah.